world, American cradle of liberty. Look at you, you're a freak! What are we alive for except to grab all the kicks we can? To contaminate our society. Now being renovated. Mr. Dowd. Podcasting live from a beautiful President's Day evening. This is the worst little podcast in the world coming at you from the past. We've got the whole gang once again. I think we're going for a streak here. Not streaking, a streak record. Uh, But we are excited to welcome back into the studio once again, the mighty Eric Stanglin and friends. We're talking out of our ass. Oh, God. And Friends was so parenthetical. <laughs> I was more going for an uh, elliptical. Like oh dot, dot, dot. Right. Yeah. Ellipses. So it's elliptical. Uh, no. Okay. The and Friends, uh, Mark Ernest and Anthony Ashworth are here to join us today, along with Eric Stanglin, the big man on guitar and One Stop Guitar, and over at his other sports podcast and King of the World and running and walking and being awesome. Uh, hi, Eric. <laughs> that was an interesting, awesome uh, intro. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you know, just trying th- new things, seeing what sticks, you know. You haven't been on a, quite a while, Eric. When's the last time you were on the show? It's probably been... Oh. Eight or nine years, I think. Maybe it's even been a while. I think yeah. the last time the Knicks had a winning record, I think I was on the show. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back and with uh, some of my friends for sure. Very cool to have you hey, back, Mark and Tony. Why don't you say hi so the audience can uh, hear your voices? Mark Ernest, hi everyone. That's me. Uh, we helped Eric with his record. We'll tell you all about it later. Mark, a returning guest from uh, uh, early in 2020, are one of our first uh, back from pandemic guests. I was. Right. Yeah. I remember talking to you in that same room on the same tiny screen. So yeah, yeah. May or April or May or something maybe. I, the, May, that was May, uh, yeah. our, probably early yeah. pandemic times. Yeah. One of our first. So you can so, see how podcasts. we've streamlined the the uh, production, yeah, tightened it up big time. We are so much more together right now, and we don't talk over each other ever, at all. <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. I'm not used to that at all. And hi, Tony. Didn't mean to leave you out. I just... It's okay. It is okay. Have you been on the show before? I was racking my brain trying to figure that out. Yeah, I was on... I was on when Mark and I were on with the original... Kenawa back in the day. That's right. Fuck. That's been a few years, too. So should we fill the audience in to remind them what you played? Uh, I play play guitar in Kenawa. Write most of the tunes. You know, help... Actually, I just write riffs and everybody else. Mark's really good at arranging all of them, which is why he's such a great, you know, tool to have around. Not, not that he's a tool. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, dude. All right, I'm done. Mark is the best tool. Mark's the best tool in the bag. Best hey, tool in business. Kudos on your guys' set at the Reno Punk Rock this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You that was phenomenal. Yeah, it turned out very cool. I mean, it was so badass. They gave you guys an encore. So, uh-huh. like, <laughs> and then everyone else. So at least that was it, was. it wasn't as massively embarrassing as it could have been. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I thought it turned out great. I thought that Tony Contini did an amazing job on the editing. He absolutely um, did. We looked so rock and roll. It was like scary. The lasers, and, uh, totally awesome. More, I, get up, look rock and roll. It was great. 
I was watching the, uh, um, I think it was one of the, the YouTube feed or the uh, Twitch stream. And somebody um, said, man, thanks for the lasers, Bluebird. And Bluebird said, yeah, I think punk rock needs more lasers. And <laughs> I ha- can only uh, uh, say thumb- big thumbs up to that. More lasers with punk rock. And yes. more lasers of Bluebird, uh, hint, hint, when we go back to shows. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, rock. one of my friends from the Midwest saw it, and he thought that because of the way the laser, lasers looked, that they were like CGI or painted on <laughs> afterward or something. Yeah. It's no. a compliment. Ah. They, were, they were live, live yeah. lasers, lasers yeah. of Uncanny Valley. <laughs> that place was so filled with fog, man. You could see any laser you wanted to. Like, yes, <laughs> it was pink fucking Floyd. It was yeah. <laughs> Big shout out to everybody involved over there. Kim, Ian, uh, Rosh, Tony. Thank you all so much. That video turned out great. Sprocket, uh, Cat Sandwich. Um, It was a a really great production. We watched almost all of it on the big screen TV at the house until uh, the feed went out at one point. And then children happened. (laughs) And then children. (laughs) But I was able to tune back in for uh, uh, the end of it, too. So, yeah, we only missed probably about 20 minutes there. It's all Great still event. available somewhere, right? Yeah, if anybody wants to see this, where should they go to check it out? I think it is still on the Generator's YouTube, Kim? I was say, you know? I believe it's going to live for a while on the YouTube. Uh, if you simply uh, um, search Valentine's Slay in your YouTube, it, it uh, and then, like, or, Reno. Reno, or Reno Punk Rock. Flea market works uh, too. Well, yeah, if you search Reno Generator, it's the first thing that comes up. Or if you well, you can yeah. search Valentine's Slay, um, and that it'll come up that way too. Reno Punk Rock Pandemic. It was great fun. Uh, yeah, it was a highlight. It was cool to see live ish music again. Yeah, well, and we actually like um, just to interject, um, we we did have a really successful year. Um, and just so in case anybody is curious, uh, we raised enough money to pay all of the artists uh, for all of the work for the patches and the screen printing and the Nick Noise prints and stuff that went out uh, in the swag packs and also um, enough to cover the cost of the event and then a little donation to the generator. So we broke even. We're doing Woo! great. Little Bird Tattoo, like they were awesome. They came up with a flash tattoo sale. Um, they had like three sheets of flash. They donated uh, 20% of all their tattoo sales and they donated $1,700 to us. Wow. Yeah. They sold Damn. out of their tattoos. Like, yeah. So yeah. Thanks to them. And well. thanks to the Bluebird for being so freaking awesome. Oh my God. Everybody there was amazing. Uh, there, you know, we just showed up. We had no idea what to expect. I just thought I was getting an empty room with the stage and that we would just have to make the best of it. They showed up with like professional lighting guys and like projectors and a laser show and fog machine and like all this like extra level stuff. And it was, it was really bad. And I really enjoyed recording there. Um, God, it was so nice to see Nawa play and Ozymandias and one time doing like actually get to see live music for the first time in a year. Um, I felt like I was cheating the system a little bit. But, um, it was, same, same. I got goosebumps incredible. playing to a room of six people. Like it was awesome. <laughs> and everybody, everybody played like they were playing to a room of a hundred people. You know, like 
it was it was great. It was awesome, a great experience, and I hope we can do it again. And I hope everybody continues to support the Bluebird. Uh, they're doing everything that they can uh, to maintain social distancing uh, during the pandemic, and hopefully soon they'll be bringing you some socially distanced, uh, more mellow, ambient light music. So right on, yeah. Can you yeah. had it on a Twitch stream for quite a while, kind of just in the background here at the house. It was it was cool. It worked out pretty well. There was a few technical problems, but it, I mean, I think considering what you guys were putting together, it worked out really well. You know, there's learning curves, and we ended up um, very much unintentionally uh, not including a couple of band submissions, and we feel terrible for that. It was Basement Tapes and Six Sundays. Um, we uh-huh. did uh, replay their stuff the next day, but it was just, we've never done this before. None of us are video editors. We literally had to learn this kind of on the fly and stuff just kind of got missed. So we very much apologize to those bands. We wanted to include everybody and, and, and anybody who we didn't include, it was just a, just an oversight. So it's hard to yeah. own a festival, <laughs> any kind online. Yeah. <laughs> How would you know that Nick? How would you know that it's hard to do that? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, man. I remember there was the nowhere thing and I had Mark's band. I think it was a big choir on it for the whole time. And then, then they weren't on at the schedule, like when I threw the show and I had to tell Mark, I'm so sorry. I didn't, ah, I didn't even know what the, you know what I mean? Ooh, that one hurt Mark. That one hurt. <laughs> I hated that. I was so sorry. And like, I couldn't believe. And you know, do you remember that? You remember that. Sorry. Mark, did, you, did you at any time think, oh, Nick is just snubbing me and, and faking to be nice about it? Well, well, I was plotting my revenge until I actually talked to him. So it's okay. <laughs> Crossed his name off Sharpening your hit list. Knives. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's happened to me too. Like we were supposed to play a show, a big show, you know, with like Metalachi and shit. And then we suddenly weren't playing the show. And it was like, oh man, you know, it just sucks. Sometimes that's rock and roll, you know, it's <laughs> rad and sucks. <laughs> that's rock and roll. It sucks. That's a really good, that's, <laughs> that's a good t-shirt. <laughs> that's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, you were 100% right. That's an amazing bumper sticker. Might end up being the title of this show, this episode. <laughs> we should just get some merch going, print some t-shirts, worst little podcast. It's rock and roll and exactly. it sucks. <laughs> I don't want to get too off topic, but I was watching the um, like statistics of, of number one uh, you know, selling bands and stuff. Did you ever watch that graph that through the years and it shows you? Yeah. And you can see where rock and roll dies, dude. <laughs> you can see it. It's like right yeah. after Nirvana or somewhere. It was, a little it was dead for quite a while before that, too. And then Grunge was yeah. came back. Great and then, last gasp. And <laughs> it's once, yeah, just like one direction. It's making gazillions yeah. of dollars and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's not quite, <laughs> rock and, not quite rock and roll no more, you know? Yeah. Rock and roll is not about sales. Sales. Yeah, I'm, I'm an old fart who remembers uh, the 80s. And actually, you know, if we're talking about the mid to late 80s, you know, apart from times. quasi rock and roll, like Poison or something, you know, <laughs> there still wasn't like a billion 
you know, the people selling billions of dollars were Paula Abdul and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, Michael so, Jackson sold a ton of records in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's not forget Duran Duran. <laughs> okay. For real. Sure. Yeah. Huge. You know, but when you li- when you listen to the essential eighties and essential nineties compilations on all the streaming places and the now CDs. Rock and roll is a very small segment of all of the songs on those tracks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or playlists. I don't think they even announced them on the Grammys anymore, like on the actual show. When I don't you, think so. Really? Yeah. Rock yeah. is just out of the picture then, huh? That's lame. And I mean, to be fair, it's not even like the number one, like, subculture group in music anymore. It's just really transitioned, you know? Rock and roll, shouldn't it be the black sheep music? Yeah. Like, isn't that where it came from and where it always should be anyway? It shouldn't yeah, be like the getting, most popular get, getting thing. Your award, getting your award behind a curtain backstage to just, like, In camera the alley. people. Yeah. <laughs> and them telling you to fuck off. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, hey, but here's your Grammy. Yeah, these don't come inside. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know what? Don't, just don't even come to the event. We will mail it to you. Just please don't <laughs> fucking show up. Oh, that's uh, cold, man. Oh, do you want me to tape like a thing where I accept it? No, don't even bother. Just, you know, just we'll send it to you. Just shut up. We've got this gal. We'll have her read a speech. It'll be a Marlon Brando thing. It's fine. well anyway uh we've got guests here and they're doing things yeah eric we're here to talk about your album um i'm kind of parsing this out a little bit because we we've got limited tracks to play right we do have two for this week yeah two tracks to play so how about we get to one of those tracks right now to set the mood Get get our Eric Stanglin smoking jackets on. It has a little ES over your breast pocket, like Laverne and Shirley. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll set the mood and then, and then uh, talk a little about this upcoming album. Uh, let's. you want to play Gravity first? Yes. And uh, Gravity is a song that I wrote with Lisa McQuiston, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with Lisa. Excellent singer, bass player. She was gracious enough to write songs, and we had a lot of fun writing this song together. It's one of the more mellower songs on the record, but I I love the way it came out, so I'm looking forward to uh, you guys playing it right now.
right before awesome. earlier today, my back Dreamy. went out and I had to take a muscle relaxer. And then I took a nap for like an hour and 20 minutes. And that song is exactly how I felt when I was waking up from that nap <laughs> on a muscle relaxer before I got here. <laughs> the world is pulling me back. It's kind of ironic considering what what that's about with the story of the record and how it unfolds. So that's kind of when you're waking up. That's interesting. Hail the dreamy and sweet and amazing. Well done. Hey, uh, big thanks to Jason Thomas for playing drums on that one. I played bass and guitar, and then Lisa sang on that. So much love to Jason Thomas. He played a couple of tracks on the record drum-wise, and he's amazing. You guys all know him. So thank you guys for that. I'm sorry, who did you say the singer that was? Lisa McQuiston. She's in Vince Gates' Pink Floyd tribute band. Plays with Gia. Oh, okay. Okay. Ding. There you go. Very nice voice. Yeah, she's got an awesome voice. Yeah, that was the first time we played it anywhere, so... so. Woo, so exclusive. Yeah. We're honored. <laughs> we love them podcast exclusives, man. Thank you. So they, this is this and the next track are up your upcoming album. Uh, what is the title of it? What's the working title of it? Uh, the title's called Wake Up. And this is uh, a largely a solo project. It's all like... Uh, you inspired, written, driven with uh, collaborators? So I had a, a pretty big issue happen to me and I ended up in the ICU for like yeah. five days. Exactly. And um, uh, Tony had been talking to me about um, recording a record at his studio. Him and Mark were talking about doing that. And I was like, you know, I don't really know. I'm just kind of doing my thing and I'm not really writing because like, you know, most people got the pandemic blues or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not really doing anything. And then I woke up in the ICU with a tube in my throat and I was like, when I got healthy, I got messaged him on my cake. Can I still, can I still, you know, we guys still record me. And they're like, yeah. So I asked Mark to play uh, drums, excuse me, and Tony to play bass and recorded at their place. And we just started writing tunes. I believe that was in what the end of August, beginning of September. I think we started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And then what ended up happening was, as I'm writing songs and a lot of you guys, you know, a lot of musicians that are in this little group here right now, you know, that like, I'm not a singer. So I was writing these songs with these guys, which was really therapeutic. And then what I ended up start doing was thinking about who would I want to sing on it? You know what I mean? It was almost like you could hear. So it was really funny. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I mean, I have a lot of buddies in the scene and I was just trying to think of, and that was a hard thing for me. Cause it's like, I don't want people to be offended. Like, Oh, why didn't he ask me to sing? Or this is not, I was like, there was just people that were popping up that uh, I w- I'd be writing this song and I'm like, you know what? I hear Mark Moots on this one. Or I was writing and I'm like, you know, I hear uh, I hear Gus or I hear, you know, I just would hear people on songs. So we ended up writing a bunch of tunes and then I just started reaching out to people and everybody said yes. So I was super flattered by that. And then we started uh, – the uh, the effort of putting songs together, which is really interesting during a pandemic, because, you know, a lot of the stuff I ended up doing was through Zoom. So like we would we would rehearse the songs, but then the singers, they we would do Zoom conferences basically and just go, OK, so all right, let me see what you got and, and, this and that. And I barely wrote any lyrics. Everybody wrote lyrics and I basically explained my story on what happened. So. Uh, do you guys want me to tell the story of what happened? Yeah. Mark has alluded to it. I'm dying to know what this actually is all about. <laughs> okay. So here's what happened. Um, I had been having health problems 
and I didn't know what was going on. And I was petrified of going to a doctor because I had a really bad experience a while ago. And uh, I just started going south. So I was basically dying and like slowly. And the thing that was really interesting about it was I was confusing. Like I was trying to like validate what was going on. And I'd make up these crazy things like about like um, my girlfriend cracks me up because she was like, yeah, I remember one time like I was having these like red dots on my body and then they would disappear. They go brown and disappear. And there's these things going on. And she's like, you know, you really got to see a doctor. And I'm like, I know. But I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm feeling good. And I don't see any of these dots for a week or two. And then the dots would come back again. And I'd be like, you know what? I think it was that lettuce I ate. And she's like, yeah, it must be the lettuce. Like, you know, super sarcastic. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is lettuce going to give you? <laughs> so basically what happened was um, it was getting pretty bad. And I actually stopped driving on my own. So like I started losing my vision and it was really weird and I'm still not going to the doctor at this point. I'm still trying to keep teaching guitar and all this stuff. And it was just getting frustrating. And finally I was, I, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, all right, well, let's go, let's go to the clinic. I don't, I'm a musician. I don't have insurance. So I do now, but it's like, all right, let's go to the clinic. Let's this and that. And then because of COVID they canceled my, the, the, when I was supposed to go and I was like, all right, we'll go the following week. And I'm like trying to get up the courage and I'm having like these nightmares and I go and, uh, you know, Mark will attest to this. He knows about this. Maybe some of you guys also know about this. So I go in and I'm like really nervous about to get my blood pressure. I'm like, well, don't tell me what it is. I don't want to know. And, and I had a feeling I was diabetic. I, I had a feeling that was that. Um, and I was thinking, okay, you know what, they're going to have to give me medication and then, you know, figure this out. Cause I lost a lot of weight and it was crazy how much weight I actually lost. I lost like 70 pounds in two months. Wow. And I'm, like, wow. And I'm, dude, I'm eating like whatever I want to like, and laughing about it. Like this is not right. Not, yeah. you know, so yeah. that was really fucking lettuce. It was a lettuce. I end up, uh, I end up having 180 over 140 blood pressure. Oh, wow. And, and they sent me home, which was like bizarre. They're like, okay, well, you know, here's the, we're, here's the medicine we're going to prescribe to you. You're definitely diabetic and this, right? So they, uh, they just sent me home, which was like crazy. And I love the clinic at UNR. They, they really, Sam and, um, uh, and uh, Sarah were amazing and they, and they pretty much saved my life. And so did Corey, um, Corey Cooper, thank you so much also. Um, but what happened was, is I went home and I had my kids that day and I was just a mess, like, and things were bad. And my girlfriend's like, just go lay down. I'll take care of them. Don't worry about it. You know, like come back downstairs when you feel better. I never came downstairs. So she brought the kids out to my ex and was like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, um, she was trying to feed me and I couldn't really eat. And, um, I was going to take the pills in the morning and then uh, I woke up in the ICU on Tuesday wow. and that was Saturday. <laughs> so oh, basically, wow. yeah, basically I had two seizures more. Actually, they found out on the EKJ, EKJ or G or whatever it was, but yeah. I had two seizures and I guess I was awake and like, they walked me down the stairs. I don't, I don't remember any of this. So they, they put me in the ambulance, which is a nice $1,400 ride like four miles and they charged me 80 bucks for gas, which was awesome. It was just amazing. So, um, I, I, another reason uh, to get your own ass to the hospital before things get, you, uh, it's expensive taxis. Right. Hard. 
I'll tell you this. I, I think it was the best thing that happened to me in that sense, because I don't know if I could have gone through what it went through. So like being awake, I know it sounds weird to say. So what ends up happening is um, they bring, you know, the, she follows the ambulance and then the ambulance, they do all this stuff and they take her into like the special room and like, who's his next to kin? And it was like, holy shit. So um, I guess I ended up fighting for um, techs, EMT people. <laughs> Don't remember that. Um, they incubated me or intubated me, excuse me. And uh, I remember waking up with the tube in my throat. That was my first memory. Damn. And um, yeah, and then they took it out. And like, I remember waking up and I went to try to rip it out of my mouth and then realized, oh shit, they tied me to the bed. Wow. Okay, cool. And, and not in a good way. So it was like, all right, fuck. Um, so I ended up, uh, yeah. I ended up like waking, waking up. Um, and then for all you COVID non-believers, if you get intubated or incubated, whatever you would call it, it's not fun because they take the tube out of you. You have to be awake when it happens which is the scariest fucking thing ever. So I was basically suffocating to death. It felt like, and they're like, you're doing so good. You're doing so good. I'm like, fuck you. Choking <laughs> like, to death. You're doing so good. Like I can curse on here, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially about all this. I think that bus has left the station. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they take the tube out of my mouth. It felt like forever. And there wasn't pain. It was just like, I felt like I was going to die. Like I just felt like I was choking to death. And then I knocked right back out. And um, then uh, basically the nurse came in in the morning. So I think this was Tuesday morning. So, and they were supposed to tell my girlfriend when I came out, like, you know, awake. Cause they tried to bring me out and then I'd freak the fuck out and they put me back under again. So the nurse was like, Hey, uh, do you know where you are? And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm in the, I'm in the hospital because everybody's wearing shit. So I'm thinking, yeah, well, I know where I'm at. They're like, okay, that's cool. They're like, do you know what day it is? And I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, it's Saturday. And they're like, it's actually Tuesday. And then I was like, oh, fuck. I have no recollection of those days. Like, they're gone. Like, they're gone. And uh, they're like, do you know what day it is? <laughs> and I'm like, like the actual day. And I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just, I'm not going to lie. I have no fucking idea. I have no idea what day it is. And they're like, okay, well, you're in the ICU and um, you had a lot of shit happen to you. And uh, so long story into novel, my kidneys failed. Um, my blood pressure was over 200. My sugar was over 360 something. And uh, I had a really bad fever and I was on like a cold bed thing and all this crazy shit. And I just surrendered. And I just let them do whatever the fuck they needed to do to me to kind of keep me alive. And uh, I spent a bunch of days there, super like drugged up, not knowing where I was. And uh, so after like the third or fourth day there, I was like, all right, you know what? Like I got to get my shit back together with my life and stuff. And uh, so I, I, uh, I remember people were checking in on me and I made some dumb posts on Facebook and then realized, oh, fuck, it really didn't explain anything. So then people are texting me left and right. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this is not good. Still can't see too well. So I'm like, I'm, I have my text like grandpa text, 
you know, like that font. Uh, <laughs> enormous size. I could actually read. And I'm like, literally, like, it was so crazy because I had no energy. I couldn't, like, it's really funny when I think back on it, which sounds hysterical, like, to say these things. But, like, I remember I couldn't walk to the bathroom and I thought the bathroom was the way out of, of my room. It turns out I didn't have a door to my room and I didn't know that. So it's really disoriented and stuff. And I would try to pretend like I was cool and uh, I couldn't walk like three steps without basically falling. But I'm trying to be like cool guy. Crazy. Like, you know, like I can walk and I'm like, like this. And, and it was just, Jesus, it was a shit show. So I had to walk with a cane for two weeks. I spent five days in the ICU they finally discharged me. There was an awesome nurse there was like, you need to go home. Like you can manage this stuff at home. Like you need to get out of here. I'm like, man, thank you so much. So they get me out of there. And then the next day I start teaching online again, like a complete fucking idiot. Um, but I just didn't want that to control me, but it, but it was crazy, man. And I just, yeah. was, I think I texted Tony from the hospital, I think. And I was like, I, I wanted, I want to write about this because it was super heavy, but there was a lot, that I wanted to get out. And it was, I think it was a really good therapy to do it. And uh, I was just floored on how everybody said yes. And it wasn't even like a, a maybe thing. It was like, yes. And uh, so that's how we started the journey on the record. Damn. Wow. Wow, wow dude. It's fucked up, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, most of the time we just hear like, oh, well, my girlfriend broke up with me. So I wrote this song. Uh, that's intense, dude. When like, you know, thank whatever higher power, all the gods, whatever that like you made it through and you're still kicking ass, man. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you some funny stuff. I want to tell you some funny stuff just so it's not like totally sad. There's some great shit. I had this nurse and, uh, like this European nurse and she, we didn't get along at all. And, uh, it was really funny because I remember, um, <laughs> and I was like really nice to everybody else, I guess, except for this nurse. And I remember one time my blood pressure was still high and things were still high. And she would, she was just so no bedside matter. So she'd be like, your blood pressure is very high still. And I remember there was a bunch of people in there, a doctor. And I looked at the doctor, I go, see, this is the shit that I don't need to deal with right now. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, Oh my God. Or like she came in and they wanted to give me like a sponge bath or a bath or something. And I was all excited. She's like, and we're going to brush your teeth. And I said to her, I go, well, brush my teeth, get me out of the ICU and home. Like I really believe that like if they brush my teeth, I was going to be able to go home. Like it was, you don't want to go home with ICU breath. No. <laughs> the last thing I have to do. Well, you know, the other funny thing too is like they're feeding me this food, right? And and I could barely eat, and it was just like a lot of crazy shit. But I'm laughing because it's like the second, and they never told my girlfriend. So my girlfriend comes in thinking I'm going to be still knocked out, cold with tubes and wires and shit. And I'm standing up on my bed. I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" And she's like, "What the fuck?" So she's like, "She was amazing, dude." She like texted my mom. She's like, "He's awake and." really high and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. Like she butt dialed my mom or my mom butt dialed her and my mom thought that I had died. So she's like telling the whole family I'm dead and like calling and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm alive. Like, you know, no, he's alive. He's still alive. He's okay. And it's just crazy shit. Like I'm supposed to be diabetic. And one of the, one of the days for, uh, for lunch, they give me a fucking hamburger. 
like, you know, and, and you know, Mark, because your wife's diabetic, like you're, you don't want to give somebody that's diabetic a fucking hamburger, like with, you know, a, 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 a white bun on it. It was fucking crazy, man. My um, my A1C was 14.6. And if anybody knows about A1Cs, like it's not supposed to be that high at all. So yeah. uh, like, isn't it supposed to be like, wait, like two? How much did you say it was? 14.6. Holy fuck. Yeah. And then yeah, check- nor- normal is under six. If anyone's interested. Yes. And, uh, the cool thing is when I went in to go see the doctor after my three months for them to do my A1C again and do a checkup. Cause they, I went to see him a month after and the doctor was like, you know, it's, you're going to be about an eight or nine. We'll be really happy with and all this other stuff. And I'm like, cool, whatever. And I was like super serious about, getting my life back. So I went back in for the checkup for the, the A1C and I was a 5.9. And holy shit. They were like, yeah. They're like, you're a 5.9. And I'm like, holy shit. I started oh, crying. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Right. So then they come back in like five minutes later, like, Hey, do you mind if we run that test on you again? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, <laughs> we, think, we think we messed up. The fucking machine worked. Like, are you fucking kidding me? So they run it again. And, and, and the nurse comes back and she goes, you're 5.9. We ran it twice. And I'm like, Holy <laughs> shit. And, and I didn't get along with the doctor. Um, and he's a nice guy. He was this English guy. I didn't get along with him either. <laughs> And, and I said, hey, is, is the English guy here? And and they're like, no. And I'm like, well, tell T and Crumpets I'm a 5.8. <laughs> You're a 5.9. <laughs> and just like, just like ridiculous shit, you know? I was just happy to like, you know, it's like that East Coast mentality. It's like, you know, try to prove me wrong. Like, you know, like challenge me. I'll, I'll, I'll come to, I'll ring the bell for sure. And uh, so now I'm pre-diabetic, which is awesome. And uh, I'm actually getting back to like- Great. Out and those Wait, type of thing. After all this, you're only pre-diabetic. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, I mean that's fucking you're, great, that's, right? You're, yeah. You're saying there's still a chance. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> that's like <laughs> diet. But I'm on pills like fucking crazy, and yeah. the pills like, dude, it's nuts because. I'm off one of the pills I'm off now, which is cool. And I couldn't drive for a couple months because of the seizures. I don't know if you guys know that. Like if you get, if you have yeah. seizures, they take your license away for three months. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the hard way too. So like, I remember I'm home for about three weeks. I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the car out and drive to Rayleigh's and Rayleigh's is like a mile away. And I'm like, I'm just going to see how I do. And she's like, uh, no, you're not. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like uh, why? I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, I think I can do this. And she goes, uh, they actually took a copy of your license and you're not allowed to drive for three months. And I was like, oh, uh, cool. And, and then she was telling me, she's like, man, you handled that a lot better than I thought you were going to. And I'm like, well, you know, if I, if I can't drive, I can't drive. I don't want to fuck with it. And, uh, so the pills were trippy. I'm still on them. They're doing wonders. I'm doing wonders with being smart about where I'm at. My blood pressure is like usually about 120, 125 over 75, which is awesome. Way better. That's great. That's yep. that's, that's more like it. The blood sugars are about under 100 to about 105, somewhere around there, um, which is great wow. compared to what they were. Um, the pills sucked, and they definitely um, – it's like I look at silver linings. So – Basically, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy like all these things happen with the record and whatnot. And um, 
you know, the depression that I felt with the pills were insane. And hopefully no one's listening that would work at Renown or something, but I lied my fucking ass off every time I went in. They're like, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm good. You know, like any depression, suicidal thoughts? I'm like, no, I'm cool. You know, and, and it's like the lowest I've ever been in my life. Like the, those drugs fuck you up. And I didn't understand depression. I, I mean, I've been depressed. I think we all have, but I didn't understand it until I got on these things. And then it was like, insane. I spent a lot of time in bed in the beginning. Like I would teach an hour of lessons online, go back upstairs, go to bed, come downstairs, teach an hour of lessons, eat something, go back to bed. Um, and I didn't want to get up. Not like I didn't want to live. I just, it was weird. It was like, if something happened that was like, like even just minor, I would it depress the fuck out of me. So it'd be like something dumb, like, Oh, the mail's not here. I'm like, fuck the mail's not here. Like, yeah. Oh, Must have had a hard time with the Jets this year. Well, I do. Good Lord, man. I mean, well, then they had, then they had to go and win one game. They just, they had to go and do it for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you deserve it. You deserve you know I mean? that one. Yep. But uh, that's where the record came from is just basically what ended up happening is, is when, when me and Mark and me, Mark and Tony started writing, we started realizing that there was something there, which I kind of knew would be because we all played in dirt community together. Um, even though it's different things, cause you know, Mark's playing drums on this on five tracks, but just the energy and the vibe was there. And it was so much fun every Friday going and Mark would pick me up every Friday because my fucking ass couldn't drive. So, you know, we enjoy talking. And I have to hear you complain. <laughs> we mostly talked about music, man. We weren't complaining. Actually, we did. We mostly, yeah. yeah we, had, we, had a, we had a 15 minute conversation about Betty Davis. I don't know if y'all know who Betty Davis is, the uh, actress. She's so badass. So um, that was fun. But so, so basically, as things started coming together, we decided that we were going to make it like, uh, make it like a concept record. And the whole record was going to be about the journey from the month or two before I went into the ICU to the ICU and the journey out of the ICU and trying to kind of get back to normal life. And then we uh, basically figured out the order of the songs. And then we told the singers, okay, here's the story. Here's what happened. Your song is going to be about this. And I wanted the singers to write the, the music I mean, the lyrics, because um, I wanted them to believe what they were singing and I didn't want to write stuff for them. I figured they would be more emotionally attached to it if they did that. So um, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, there's like eight singers on the record basically singing about what they think I went through. And, and a lot of people nailed it. But the thing that's kind of cool about the record, in my opinion, is that it's not just like my story. This could be your story. This could be your story about addiction, alcoholism. It could be your story about, um, you know, a relationship. It, it doesn't have to be, I think, I think it's abstract enough that it's not, you know, you can be, you can make these songs your own in a way. Like I think we do with a lot of music anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's so awesome. Art. You know, so a lot of, a lot of people came through and a lot of people were great. Tony fucking, you know, was awesome playing bass, working on the tunes, recording the stuff, um, producing, you know, the three of us kind of produced it all together. And I wasn't there for the singers because of where I'm at with my health. I couldn't, I really couldn't be in the room with people that couldn't sing with a mask. Obviously you don't want to sing with the mask on when you're singing. So I basically, we use zoom 
or no, we use Facebook uh, uh, portal to communicate when people were singing. So I can say, yeah, that sounds good. Can you try that again? This, this and that. And uh, it worked out really well. Um, so that was weird to do during, I mean, it's like when you really think about it, it's like, it's an interesting concept, but what a fucking dumb idea to try to do during a pandemic, right? A <laughs> <laughs> record. Oh, you, it sounds like you did it right. Everything's everything. You know, everything came you, out. You've cool. been pretty lucky with everything. You know what, man? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you two really interesting stories. So my uncle Jimmy was an important person in my life and he passed away years ago, but he was that guy. Maybe you guys and girls have had this person in your life that was kind of like your uncle that looked out for you a little bit. He was the one that you thought was cool that you could kind of talk to or whatever. Anyway, he told great stories. He's a great human being. And, um, when the seizures happened, my girlfriend was downstairs on the couch and she's like, you know, I should check on him. She went upstairs in the room and she found me in a, a pool of blood, basically. And she was like, holy fuck. And she got on the phone, dialed 911. Um, it just so happened that the ambulance has been parking down the street from my uh, my housing complex. So the ambulance got there in like 30 seconds. Which is crazy. Wow. That yeah. just happens to be where they, where they were hanging out, posted yeah. up for yeah. action. Yeah. Man. They haven't been doing that because I was, I was walking in, in a lot at night, you know, and uh, they hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. So they had parking like literally right down the street from where I live. So they got there like 30 seconds. They come upstairs. Now, my light in my room doesn't work. It hasn't worked for a while. We just keep it dark in the room because we just like it dark. So, you know, we don't worry about the light, right? So, it doesn't work. The paramedics come up to my room, flip the light switch on, the light goes on. Damn. Wow. You know like it was wow. out. Yeah. It didn't fucking so it work. It needed to be. It is, it, I look at it as my Uncle Jim, man. It's incredible, though. Looking wow. out for me and, 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 you know, whatnot. And so those, those things were things I think about. And I, and I just, I think like we all need to with the pandemic and stuff, especially us artists, it's like you got to look for those silver linings. You got to, you got to realize that there's, you know, you can be depressed about a bunch of shit and, and things go bad and look at the bad stuff. But the silver linings is, I think, what pulls us through things. And my silver lining was I got a second chance at life, basically. And, uh, you know, there were things that tripped me out. Like when I woke up, I was alone because you can't hang out. You know, you can't have people visiting with you all the time with COVID. It's only three o'clock to eight is the only time that people can hang out in the hospital. So it's like, oh, fuck, this is crazy. Um, and there'd be a lot of times where I was disoriented. And I remember calling my girlfriend. I'm like, where the fuck are you? Like, it's, it's it's five o'clock. You're not here. You're always here at three o'clock. And she's like, it's 5 a.m. And I'm like, whoa, I thought it was 5 p.m. You know what I mean? Because time kind of like doesn't make sense because I wasn't seeing through windows. I had no idea. I didn't know where the clock was. It was very bizarre, you know? So it was like. I, I feel like that in my house now, <laughs> because of COVID, I mean, and I've been in a hospital for multiple days in an interior room with no windows. So I could like the two of those things together. I could totally imagine this just fugue of I'm in the hospital forever. It's whatever fucking o'clock on who cares what day it is. <laughs> yeah, that was true though. Pandemic's done weird shit to us. So we we time know. sense is is fried, especially. When you're just, you know, like I'm, I'm teaching from home and I'm just teaching on the internet because I can't really be in rooms with people like that in a close space. The doctor's like not a good idea. 
Because if I get it, if I get COVID, I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? Maybe not because of where I'm at now in terms of like where my health is, but I'm still, I still could be in trouble. Um, so it's weird. Like I could just cruise downstairs and just, you know, pull my hair up or put a fucking beanie on and just teach. And it's weird. I've had to, you know, work on understanding how to do that and get good at it. And I have a lot of respect for teachers and people that have jobs that had to learn how to do their jobs, you know, like your guys' yeah. podcast, you have to learn how to do this. And it's, uh, it ain't easy, man. But, uh, but I, I love and appreciate all the people that came through on this record for me. And, uh, I'm excited to put it out and uh, I'm really excited that Mark and Tony have me on their label and they're putting the record out. So um, yeah, it's, it's just been a surreal experience and you know, let's talk about their label a little bit and uh, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, I also kind of want to turn, turn a, a little back to uh, Mark uh, getting on the drums for this. Uh, Mark, when was the last time you played drums? Uh, oh God. Professionally. I- <laughs> in front of human beings <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, uh, it was a night uh, ooh, uh, when I was in the vitriolics uh, there was a song where Dean and I switched it was uh, a, uh, right I actually kind of remember that yeah so early and, 2000s and that, yeah 2001 <laughs> I guess that was the last time yes indeed um, consistently in a band uh, it's been since I was in New Mexico and that was all the way in the early early 90s so yeah how is it it's kind of like riding a bike says <laughs> <laughs> the cliche meister but but i mean i mean it kind of is i mean it took me a while they'll tell you it took me a while to get my sea legs properly really but i think in general you know once you start doing it uh it, it's not it's not that it's, it's not as difficult if you remembered how to do it it's the instrument i started on so i'm sure that was helpful but the nice thing about it was what I liked, and, and Eric kind of alluded to this before, but, you know, in Dirk Communion, I was just the singer, and uh, Tony was the guitar player, and Eric was the other guitar player, or vice versa, however you want to call that, the two guitar players. And in this one, you know, Tony's playing bass, and I'm playing drums, so it's different roles, but I think alchemically, we still had the same kind of uh, vibe going for writing. It was just in a different context. And that was really interesting to me, to kind of see that, to know that that would still kind of happen. So it butted well for like how well the songs are going to come out once we did bring the vocalists in. So yeah, that that part was really interesting to me. More so than me trying to remember how to play a fill, which I still suck at really. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my forte. Can I give some love to all the people that played on the record real quick? Hell yeah. Please. If I can pull this off, God. So, so Mark and Tony, help me if I screw this up. So Mark played drums on five tracks and he sang on one. Tony played bass on pretty much every track except for one. Um, I played all the guitars on the record um, and I sang on the last song on the record. It's Goose Pimpled City. Mm-hmm. Right it's a great conclusion to the record. Um, Mark Moots. Um, from December and Way of the Tide fame, um, he yeah. sang on Mr. Buzzsaw. Yeah, Mr. Buzzsaw on the blast. Yeah. Right? He sang. Uh, he sang two songs on the record. Jason Thomas played drums on three tunes on the record. Lisa played sang on one, as you heard on that track. Um, Gus Caba from Two Twenty Two and Absolute and Season of His Insanity and my old cover band Mimic. He sang on one song, and it was really cool because. His daughter, Stevie Cooper, um, she yeah. is 
rap stuff on the verses, which was really cool. So it was the first time the two of them had actually been on a track together vocally, which I thought was awesome. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, Stevie's a great, we had her on when? Like five, a couple of years back. Dude, she's awesome, man. She's an, an old guitar student of mine, and me and Gus go way back, and super proud of her, man. She's doing some amazing shit. Um, and then Jess Phipps from uh, Claymore and Way of the Tide, he sang on one tune. Um, and then uh, Brit, um, Brittany Maggard, she sings with me. She sang with me in Mimic, and she sings with me in Tanny Jane. Uh, she sang on one song, and Stevie played bass on that song, which is really cool. And then, um, oh God, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Um, let me think, let me think, let me think. Brain doesn't work as well anymore. <laughs> it's not your fault. I want to make sure you know, right? I want to make sure I get this right. I'm just trying to think of all the tunes in my head. And uh, uh, Eric, what about Katie? Katie, thank you. Katie Keller. Oh my God, I can't believe I would have fucked that up. Katie sang on, uh, on one song too. And uh, my girlfriend did a spoken word towards the end of the first record. That's really cool. And last but not least, Declan, my six and a half year old son, played percussion on one of the songs. Oh. <laughs> I have to tell you a funny story about that. So he's always was when he was little, he was always talking about wanting to play in a band with me. And he's like, I want to play drums, dad, and you can play guitar and we can be in a band. And he's like a good kind of a decent singer right now, which is kind of cool. And uh, so I'm like, hey, bug, I call him bug. And I'm like, hey, bug, I, I want you to be on the record. And uh you know, I, I want you to play drums on the record. And he's like, okay. And then he's like getting nervous. He's like, well, dad, he's like, I don't really know how to play drums. I'm like, don't worry. We got you covered. And this is and that, right? So, <laughs> so I have an electronic drum kit that I need to set up and uh, get him going on it. And I haven't done that yet, but that'll happen really soon. So he has sticks and stuff, right? So I'm like, all right, bug, we got to go to the studio and, and, you know, you know, let's get in the car. He's like, dad, I don't, I don't even have my sticks. And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> Fuck, you don't need fucking sticks. <laughs> we got sticks. We're good for, you know? So we set up a, a symbol for him and then we had him hit the symbol a couple times towards the end of the, of the last song on the first side, which, which Katie sings on. And it was really cool. And he had fun and he was like so excited because the, the, uh, the studio's in the basement of Tony's house and he's like all into building forts lately. He's like, dad, this place is cool. It's like a secret base. I don't like a secret base bug, you know? So it was really cool to have him on the record. Um, Mark and Tony, did I get everybody? Um, yeah, that's everybody. Yeah, that's everybody. Okay. How many, well. how many tracks are on that record? That's what I was thinking. Thank you, Nick. We have 10 and then there's a secret track um, that I did. It's just a little quick ditty. I was like putting secret tracks on the instrumental records I've been doing. So it's an in instrumental song I wrote for Eddie Van Halen called For Ed. And that's mm. the last song on the record because that deeply affected me. That was the reason I started playing guitar. Um, like when I was nine years old, I saw Jump video and I was like, that fucking guy's cool. And I always want to that's a video that'll stick in your head. Dude, it's just, I just thought he was the coolest guy. And I was like, dude, this guy's he plays and sing guitar. And my my older cousin was like into a lot of rock stuff and got me turned on some some pretty good shit when I was a kid and kind of helped pave my way. And then I was like trying to get a guitar and trying to, you know, I'm I'm come from a Catholic family. So of course if you know you play guitar, you're gonna do drugs and drop out of high school and all that stuff. So my mom <laughs> basically made me wait until I graduated eighth grade before she got me a guitar. Um, 
But it's <laughs> really Eddie Van Halen, like, is really why I wanted to play guitar. So I wanted to do something cool. And, and so the hidden track is that track on the record. So, and, and I know our listeners can't see this, but what's that over your shoulder there? That's uh, the Eddie Van Halen guitar. <laughs> I bought that the day he died because wow. I was supposed yeah. to, I was supposed to meet him twice and both times it fell through the one time he ended up getting sick and they canceled the Reno show. And then he was rumored to be at this club and a friend of mine was keeping me posted because his wife was doing some publicity for the club and it never happened. And I thought the least I can do was show respect and, and buy that guitar because uh, it's his company. So, you yeah. know, and his son runs the company now after his dad passed away. So I thought it'd be a, a sign of respect. You know, like I didn't get to thank him personally, which I always want to do. So I thought that would be the next best thing. So. It's cool. It looks great behind you too. Right. Hey. <laughs> so. I, bet looks, I bet it's even better in your hands. Probably. It's, it, it's a trippy guitar, man. It took me a little bit to get used to, but man, it's a fun guitar. It, it definitely is. So yeah, that's the story of the record, man. And it's been, uh, it's Fuck been yeah. a hell of a journey, dude. And it's, and the thing that I, I'm most proud of with this record, besides everybody just, you know, bringing the Ray game is I feel like we really nailed the, uh, the track order. And I feel like it really tells a story, which I was super proud of. And, uh, it, what do we call it, Mark? When you were talking to me about it, it's like, it's like a con, a concept. Oh, record. Like, here, I'll look it up real quick. But in, in essence, it, it, the idea of, um, of, you know, when you think of concept records, you know, some people really dig stuff like that. And then some people think that it's a horrible idea, basically. Uh, and then you're <laughs> pretentious and that it's just, you know, all sorts of just, uh, you know, potentially terrible things <laughs> that can go along with that idea. But we, uh, we, we, we kind of saw it differently, especially Eric kind of helped me see the light on this too, to sort of, you know, not necessarily see it as, as us, you know, wanting to tell a grand epic fable or whatever. And it, it being a little bit more about, you know, a, a real story that anyone can relate to whether or not they went through an experience like Eric did, you know, as he said, it could be about, you know, any kind of, you know, uh, traumatic experience and coming through it. And, um, we said it's a concept record that's not grandiose. So, you know, yeah. it's earthy is what I've been telling people. It's an earthy concept record. You know, it's, it's, it's more, and because there's so many different voices on there telling the story and we're all really filtering Eric through that pretty much everybody, um, apart from Joy, who has this amazing part stuck right in the center of the record where she gives kind of her perspective on what she's seeing with Eric while Eric's in the, in the room in the hospital, um, which is a great bridge to what happens later. But um, anyway, everyone else is singing and writing from Eric's perspective after we basically talked to him about it. You know, I basically interviewed him for mine. You know, I, I treated it like an interview to try and get, cause I had to yeah. meet the guy who talks about his hospital experience. So I wanted to make sure it wasn't, you know, too filled with cliche and or too straightforward. And th then when we were talking, it became very clear as he told you his story, you know, that he, there was moments of surrealism and moments of like, where am I and what's going on? So I had to kind of try and capture that. And I know some of the other singers, when we were talking to him felt the same way. It's like making sure we do Eric's story justice and, and, but with our own personalities too, in the way that we would approach it if it was us. So kind of a, kind of a, kind of a dual thing there. I think that's what makes it different from say, Oh, I don't know, Pink Floyd the wall or some shit, you know, which is like, you know, uh, 
<laughs> epic story of <laughs> magnanimous proportion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is unmagnanimous. If that's a word, I'll have to look it up. I, no, I mean, as as a writer, I have to say that the, the the approach is really intriguing. That's that's really neat. Having a number of writers, as you say, and, and musicians filter Eric's perspective and yet make it relatable between each other and to a general. No, it's just it's a great process. It sounds like um, uh, very, very inspired. Well, it's it's got to really- be, be cathartic, too, right? It really was cathartic for sure. And it's, it's weird because I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the actual vinyl and just listening to the vinyl. Like, so this will be vinyl. It'll be vinyl and digital. I, that was a question I had written down to ask. Will this be on album? <laughs> it's questions. Right, right. <laughs> it's vinyl and digital. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to listening to the record when it's on vinyl and just you know, just taking it in. Um, it's really interesting because one of the things I thought was really cool um, was, and and the hard thing too with it, with it was, I wondered how it would be with all these different singers that people could relate to the record because, you know, most bands have one singer, maybe two, but I thought, man, like, is this going to get lost in the shuffle? And I think once I realized how the story was told, I, I felt like now they kind of nailed it. Um, I, uh, I had my girlfriend's daughter come to the studio because she's really into music and she's taking guitar lessons from me and stuff. And I wanted her just to kind of see the studio and stuff. So we played her to the end of the the first track. And uh, she was there when I had my second seizure on the, the bottom of the stairs after they walked me down. <coughs> and I, I'll never forget her face. And she was just like, you just nailed what, what I was think I was feeling like when that happened. So it was really, you know, um, it was really heavy. And then like, we've been listening to mixes and stuff like that. And so I was like, Hey, can I borrow your car? Can we listen to the mixes in the car? So we're listening to the mixes in the car. And then she heard my song and she's like, that's you. Like, and she's kind of like laughing, like that's you singing. And then she cried at the end, which was like huge. Yeah. It was like one of those, like you got it you get it like, and cause she's been here. So she's been through it. And I think that was the thing is, is I feel like everybody did such a fucking great job of storytelling on this record and telling a story. I couldn't tell some people told the story that I did. I didn't sort of know. And I had to learn through my girlfriend or learn through other people. And I think that was huge because it, like I said, it could be anybody's journey and story. I just wanted it to, I just wanted to put it out there. Like you said, Nick, it's just a, you know, it's something that was therapeutic for sure. And now that we're getting to the finish line, it's, I'm looking forward to putting it out there and just, you know, hopefully people will listen and check it out. And, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll affect some people where they start to think about stuff that they're afraid to, but it basically it's it's an, it's a record of surrender really. Understanding, like I had to surrender in the hospital, knowing like I need to, I need to take these pills, and they're they're prodding me with fucking needles and doing all sorts of stuff. And Mark has the, the, my favorite line in on the whole record. You know this line, right, Mark? I do. I know what you're about to say. It, it's so basically at the end of Mark's song, like the very last verse, he's talking about our chorus. He's talking about um, I wanted to go home so bad, and they kept telling me I was going to be able to go home, and then the doctor's like you're not going home. And I'm just like, 
fuck, man. I'm like, the other doctor told me I was going home, but I was like really polite about it. I'm like, shit, I'm not going home. And then the next day would come and I'm like, I'm not going home. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And uh, I'm still having the fighting with the European nurse every other day she's on, <laughs> on her shift. <laughs> and uh, Mark says, um, Mark, please say it. Please say the line. Okay. Well, I want to see the people I love, but the tyrants bark directions. Yeah, that's my favorite line on the record because it's yeah. just, it, it makes me smile. There's a lot of little parts on this record that make me smile that make me feel grateful as much as the record's kind of a, a roller coaster. But that made me laugh because like I said, he interviewed me. So it was really funny as hell to like, like I thought his lyrics were amazing on the song, but it, that, that part just made me laugh. And, and uh, my girlfriend's daughter laughed her ass off when she heard that line. And everybody was really cool about everything. I want to give a quick shout out to my, my co-host Zach for, for our podcast, not my house podcast. He, uh, he was like hugely successful and awesome sports podcast that if you haven't already checked out, you really should. Yeah, we're doing all right, man. I mean, we got over 10,000 downloads in, in just about a year. Dude, dude yeah. that's insane, we, we've man. been on for 10 fucking years and we haven't had 10 fucking thousand downloads. Not even cumulatively. I'm so. always telling you guys when we talk about 90s NBA shit, we'd probably get a lot more listeners. <laughs> you should to. go over and guest on their show. Yeah, dude, yeah. Please come on the show. That I'd love be. to. And yeah. hey, cross promote our program, man. Get some of those 10,000 yeah. downloads our way. Let's do it. Send me a message okay. Let's do it for sure. We'd love to. But it was funny because like Zach would catch, you know, check on me and he would be like, hey, how are you doing, man? Like, you know, because the thing was, is when all this shit happened, there was people that Joy was trying to reach out to and didn't have the numbers, didn't know what to do. So people started texting her. So we were supposed to have an interview with, oh God, um, I forget his name. He played in the early 2000s. We were supposed to have an interview with him and I completely flaked on the pod because I was in the ice. See you, you know, unconscious. So, uh, Joy sent a text to Zach saying, Hey, you need to get a hold of me. And, uh, he started, he did the interview without me. And then it turns out, like, in the middle of the interview, when he's talking to this person, um, I really wish I could remember who it was, but when he's talking to this person, he got the text from Joy saying, Eric's in the ICU and he's on a ventilator, like, while he's on the pod and he's like trying to. And, you know, together and whatnot. So I remember he was like getting a hold of me and he's like, man, how are you feeling today? And some people checked in a lot and I really appreciated that so much. And uh, when he did, I was like, I'm good, man. Like, I'm ready to do that next podcast. I know we got, you know, this person up and he's like, dude, it's cool. Like we can, I'm like, no, we got CJ Watson coming up. I want to interview CJ Watson. It's cool. Like, I'll be ready. We got Marcus Banks coming on. Like, I'm good. We can do this. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, Zach, I can do this. And, uh, so it was pretty fucking crazy, but we did do it. And I was really gracious that he let me kind of try to get my life back together and like playing with these guys and putting the record together, just get my life back together, seeing my kids, you know, Declan saw me on, I FaceTimed Declan. I wasn't in the right mind and I was on the machine, you know, and he's like, dad, you, why are you connected to all those machines? And the scary thing was, I didn't know I was connected to a bunch of machines. There was all these weird things you just don't know when you're drugged up. You know what I mean? So I had IVs in both arms. I had an oxygen thing that I didn't know was oxygen. I thought it was just something they were putting in my nose to make me breathe better. I had no idea. Just well, weird that, is, shit. that is what oxygen is in their defense. <laughs> Yeah. It's just something they put in your nose to make you breathe better. <laughs> yes, yes. Rick, Rick, do you want to laugh? Check this out. I didn't think it was connected to anything. <laughs> I, uh, it's just a placeholder for like when they give you the real hat. stuff. 
Yeah. And it kept falling out of my nose because when I leaned like, like sleep and turn to my side and fall out, I try to put it back. It was just a shit show. So when I FaceTime with my kid, I didn't know I had all, I was connected to all those machines still. So it was like probably a really surreal thing for him to see. But the cool thing about it was, is that he saw his dad walking with him, like to the park, you know, three weeks later. So he knows that his dad can, can fight through shit. That's tough. Hopefully he'll know that he can do that. We can rebuild Absolutely, bro. We will rebuild him stronger. (laughs) So (laughs) that was cool. But let's like, Let's shut the fuck about me and talk about Tony and Mark. Yeah, I was just saying, where, what, uh, what label is this album coming out on? Do, do we know the folks behind it? The Money Men? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so yeah, so Tony Marks sounds um, uh, a, a label of basically putting out at this point mostly Reno bands. We want to do other bands down the road. Um, even have a couple of bands we've been thinking about from out of town. Uh, that are friends of ours, who, whose records we want to put out. Um, uh, it, it really started with the Kanawha record, which was not on the label, but which we put out. Uh, and this is the full length, The Sky Was the First to Fall. And we put it out last year, and around the middle of the year, we actually did a PR campaign on it. And it did really well, a lot better than we thought it was going to. Um, we got uh, a podcast or... Um, reviews in foreign countries in the UK and all sorts of places like that. Um, sent it off to Germany. <laughs> like we, we sold vinyl to people in Germany and, and awesome. that's amazing. We sold, we sold 80. I did the math. I think it was like 83% of the vinyls that we got printed. We sold without playing a single show. Wow. They were awesome, all bro. online sales. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Wow. It's the world we're living in. Yeah, totally. And it was all from sending it to people who we thought would dig it because I have a PR list that's kind of big uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to That's our not stuff. the only thing you got that's big. Hey. <laughs> you know, I know my feet are very large. Yeah, hey, I know what podcast we're on. <laughs> but anywho, so so this record did really well and Tony and I are talking and Tony's interested in, in recording stuff and and having that be part of, of of what he does too, including our band, but you know, in general. And so the more we're talking, the more it's like, well, you know, maybe we should just do this like as a label, like for real. You know, because it's something I've always wanted to do. I mean, when I was in college, I had a shit cassette label that put out four records. And I thought I was, you know, uh, Trevor, Trevor Horner, some shit. And I wasn't, you know, of course, but, uh, and I'm not now either, but, but, you know, that was in like Wisconsin, Minnesota, New Mexico, New Mexico, New Mexico. late eighties, <laughs> early nineties. But, um, so, so we just talked about, you know, doing that and, and, and not only just, and for it not to be like a super profit thing, obviously, or like our, our side hustle, even more just like an extension of the music we were already making together in Kanawha, but with other people we liked. So bands that we really love and folks like Eric, whose work we respect and, and really love, you know, who have an avenue to, to, to put it out and to try and get in front of more people. That's the big thing more than anything else is like, you know, can people outside of Reno and outside of the family and friends hear this stuff? And, and that, and that's, that's a, that's a portion of what we want to do. Um, and it's very DIY. It's, it's, it's modeled on touch and go records from the eighties. You know, it's 50, 50 split for expenses and 50, 50 split for profits. 
you know, no weird staggered shit where Tony and I get more money than they do or even vice versa, you know, very down, down the line, um, approach to things just to keep it simple, really. Um, and, I look you know, forward really- to a comp CD sampler. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Considering we've just done a record that's kind of like that in some respects. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Part of, yeah, part of me is like, I don't know. But, um, we'll see. but, but, but definitely like, like either full lengths or short records by people we like. Not only our own, our own projects, like Vague Choir is going to do a record, of course. And Kenawa's got a three-song EP that's going to come out in the spring sometime. Um, but uh, 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 the, the main band, apart from Eric, that we have, Eric's a band, the main artist, apart from Eric, that we have right now is Heterophobia. Oh, yes. fuck they yeah. Were on, they were on, on the Johnny Harpo show and they talked about it. Oh, Cactus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cactus wandered in behind Johnny Harpo and sat down <laughs> during that episode. <laughs> that sounds like Cactus, as a matter of fact. So that's, that's perfect. <laughs> But, um, so we're going to do, we, I mean, we've liked them. Um, I've liked them from the second I saw them and I'm sure Tony did too. Yeah. Yeah. And, after, yeah. and really over the last year before the pandemic, we started playing with them more and seeing them out live and doing shows together and just, and just blown away continuously by them. So the, the emotion that so, comes off the fucking stage with both of your bands is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. For real. We both played together at Jubs. RIP at Jubs uh, in September before the pandemic for the Grilla Mall show uh, that Tony put on and that we did. Uh, and they were, I was like, uh, so blown away by them that night in particular. Dude, how they, because the whole stick of that night was like, you know, it was called Grilla Mall and all that stuff. And everybody covered, each, each band covered a Metallica song, you know, off the record or whatever. And they did Seek and Destroy, but when it came time to sing it and yell it, they were like seeking kiss boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, Fuck you yeah. had all these people in the crowd, just like pumping their fists, screaming about kissing boys. And it was the coolest. We love those kids. God damn. So, and so we're going to, you know, obviously expand that out. I, I don't necessarily want to say, just in case, like who else? There is a band that we, uh, in the story that Frank wrote for us for the News and Review, we did talk about a Seattle band that we're really good friends with called Wojciech, and we're going to do their record when they're ready, and they're amazing. They're like... Um, they're like and, theatrical Jesus wizards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they put a record out in I'll, I'll buy that. that. Like, I, I, I listen to it so much. So I definitely wanted to at least bring them to town then, but now that we have this, it's a chance for us to do that. So, so we're going to do that with our friends from around the country, if it makes sense. Uh, still not trying to put out a billion records a year, a uh, very short, limited amount. So we have enough time to really promote them right. And so it's not like, oh, we just put this record out and three weeks later, here's another one. It's like, no, you know, we can't do that. So so still try to know our limits and, and build it, build it in a way that's best for the artists and for us too. One of the coolest things about being on their label is that like you can just concentrate on doing music and like they handle everything else, which is fucking awesome. Like, and that's, something that's so cool because everybody that's on this chat pretty much has dealt with, Hey, who's going to send it out to do this? How are we going to get press? Who's going to call up the news and review, blah, blah, blah. It's like, everything's handled. The only thing I had to really do was just write the songs and just, you know, everybody producing the studio and they handle everything else is fucking awesome. I just want to say that. So 
we love the bands that we want to put records out for. Again, we're not going to magically put out a, a, a woman who sounds like Taylor Swift unless she's amazing, you know, just to sell <laughs> records, right? It's it's more about what we want to hear in all, in all kinds of genres too, really. You know, we, we would put out a jazz record if it was amazing. We would put out a hip hop record like that if it was the right the right person and and it felt good to us too to listen to as fans. So so it's not just going to be just punk or just metal or whatever. Um, and we're just going to let it flow and see see who says yes to our our entrees and who doesn't and <laughs> just like keep it rolling and 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 uh, until the wheels fall off. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh yeah. Brad, Tom you know, sounds, there's right? there's a little Tom studio that started quite much like that. Let's keep going till the wheels fall off. We're now being recorded on it. <laughs> <laughs> Still have wheels. Still have wheels. <laughs> They've only fallen off once or twice. Oh, that's really go. fantastic. I'm I'm excited to see what you guys have in store for the future, and uh, uh, please keep us posted as part of your uh, uh, PR machine. Feel Absolutely. free to contact us to book your upcoming bands on this show. Hell yeah. And really, any label out there, feel free to do the same. <laughs> yeah. During the pandemic, we can't have live bands on the podcast, so we need people that have recorded music. And we can't go out to shows to go recruit and be drunk and go, oh my God, your set was awesome. Be on my show in four weeks. Um, <laughs> it would be really cool like if local record labels wanted to promote their bands and got a hold of us. And we're, we've run through like Rick's entire client oh, list at this point. Oh, it's I'm so sick of being like, will you please be on the show because you have a track? Please. <laughs> and, and the previous nine years, the the five, six of us have run through all of our friend lists as well. So yep. we're <laughs> almost you know run cool? out of Reno. Here's a cool thing, though. It, 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 it's nice to see this. It's nice to see their label doing this. Spike, oh, McGuire's, yeah. you know, loudest folk label. I mean, how mm. fucking cool is that? It's Ooh. like, I will. The new loudest folk records are, I believe, are coming out this week. Actually, what I buy new, I mean the very first ones that you might have ordered last October. Nice. <laughs> I know. I'm really excited for this. I just bought a record player and I'm rebuilding my record collection largely with local music. And I signed up. And uh, the first albums, I think, are coming out this week. So I, I look forward to the loudest folk sampler. It's nice to see. It's nice to see Reno get some recognition, you know, be recognized. But it's also, it's also cool because I don't think people realize how much talent has been in this town for decades. And it's a shame because there's so many great bands. And it, you know, I'll drop an idea I had on you guys, and you, anyone can run with this idea because um, I just don't have the mental strength anymore to try to pull something like this together. I always thought it'd be cool if there was a database that people put on Spotify. And it was kind of like a preservation for all local Reno bands and started from like the late eighties or early nineties all the way through today. And it's basically like one ginormous Spotify playlist. And, and you could, you could do it where you set it up where the band can put a whole record on, you know, on Spotify or pick one song or two that best represents them. But it's just a way for people to not forget the history of this town and how many great bands. I mean, you know, Gunshot Liquor, Fat Couch, Mama's Trippin', uh, Source. I mean, there's so many. Baby great- Oil Handjob. <laughs> yeah. 
vitriolics. I mean, there's yeah. so bands that, wow. you know, I mean, like a false silent December. I mean, you can go on and God on. Damn right. And you don't have zoinks. I, I've I, always felt like it's worth preserving, preserving all that stuff. I've got a good if you collection look at here. The, the image behind Chewy's shoulder again, viewers yeah, you, or listeners, you can't. The corner see over here. This is just all Reno stuff. Like here in the corner, I got fifty CDs and fifty oh, cassettes back there of stuff that goes back decades. So yeah, so right. yep. And actually, Eric, there is there is someone that's kind of done that. Um, maybe not every band, but uh, Clint Nuremberg, who's the guy from uh, yeah. and uh, Humanitarist Records, and another label mogul in town (laughs) great dude and yeah tremendous he's got he's got a spotify playlist that does have a lot of a lot of the history it's it's more obviously the punk rock wing mostly yeah um and and kind of folks but i believe that list has a lot of southern nevada nevada bands on it as well it does yeah it's kind of a mix of stuff but uh, when he was putting that together he did a facebook and said who am i who am i forgetting as he said, thinking that he really didn't forget anybody. And of course, like 50 of us went on and went, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> where could people, where say- could people find that, that playlist if they wanted to check it out? It's on Spotify. It's, it's, I think it's his own. I don't think it's humanitarian. I'm pulling up my Spotify right now to look for it. Cause I, yeah, know yeah, I follow that okay, list. Pop that <laughs> list in. It's a great but, idea. Um, but, but other people, uh, other people uh, it's called fine. silver state. So that State. is the name of the playlist, Silver State by Clinton Nurberg. Yeah, I mean, but, but but Eric is totally right. Like trying to trying to capture all of the scenes, all 20 scenes in Reno and, and yeah. in one spot would be great, I think. Reno's yeah. scene is all of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there's a there's a history of all sorts of, as you guys know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no listeners. To say, People should know how our, awesome the music's been here for decades. Yeah. We've been doing our part to document just the, the literally just the last decade. Yeah. Just the last yeah. decade. But, the last couple of decades for the, like the Nowhere Nevada soundtrack and stuff. Yeah, But man. not yeah. not the last decade, the decades, the two before that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so I'm many, great, and there's so many great bands too that like you know maybe put out just a cassette and that was it. Like Orange Peel, Orange Peel for sure. Right. You know, Easy Pete has uh, the Orange Peel stuffs available on SoundCloud, I believe. Oh, excellent! Oh, shit. Yeah, it's up there, so you can get that whole Orange Peel demo tape that came out. That was a great tape. I mean, Sprout. Oh yeah. Yeah. Astronaut. I mean, there's so many great. There was so many great bands in this town. There still is, and it's like. I would just love to see that so that the newer generation understands the, the the road that was paved by the the older generations and understand how much great eclectic music there was in this town and still is. But people, I, I don't realize that. You know, for for myself, that was part of the inspiration of literally doing this show and and you know all of those open mics that we did where their poetry would turn into jam, would turn into a song, and then it's somebody else's next turn 20 minutes later you art performance art like that was so transient and it would come and go and we really did have these and have always had these tremendous talents in reno and the inspiration people coming together creating these you know epic structures of art and music and sound and and words and then Unless you were there, you never see it again, you know, and it disappears like footprints in the tide. Um, and, and I think part of 
yeah, our whole inspiration for doing this show was to help document that and and bring it into the future with us. And here we, and here we all are now. And Eric, seriously, you're one of my big inspirations to not just be a knucklehead, but start putting my money where my mouth is <laughs> and, and develop my own damn talent. And, as and, and you were just the dumbass bartender, and I was just the dumbass poet. And now we make things, we do things. So well, think about this, which is <laughs> which when you think about all of that stuff that happened and, and everything that you guys have done and all these bands in town, it's it's you know, think about I was watching hype the other day, and I haven't watched that in forever. Um, the Seattle music scene, you know, movie I'm, I'm sure in you, that, dude. Are you really? I'm in line for a show and they go down the line. <laughs> I'm in that. Dude, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Hey, so check this out. They show the scene where they talk about how all these Seattle musicians have played in other bands with each other and how it's just this like, you know, this guy played in this band with this guy and this guy played with this band with this girl and this girl played in this band with this guy. Like, think about Reno music for a bit. Like, I played with Mark in Dirt Communion and, and Tony in Dirt Communion and, and Tony and Mark play, you know, I've played in two bands together and then Mark's played with Sisters Doom and Sisters Doom, three bands, sorry. Mark's played in Sisters Doom and Sister Doom had Suda and Suda played with Jeff Dunn and Jeff Dunn played with False Silent and, and Steve Dave and Pierre played in Steve Dave, I, I believe. And it, you, you gotta make the family tree, dude. It's insane, dude. I it's, a, it's a twisted tree. And you've all been on this podcast. We're all connected, man. <laughs> you know, right? Oh, yeah. And the support was always awesome and still is awesome. I mean, you know, trying to do shows when you can't do shows, you know, like with what you guys, you know, just did last week with that. You know, it's amazing to think that we're still plugging away and trying and just adapting as best as we can through all this, which is awesome. Yeah, you know? and it's going to keep on going, too. I mean, I mean, even... Even Reno bands that we don't put out, put out. Even Reno bands that we don't. Uh, yeah, pimp. Hey. Even Reno bands that don't put out for us. No, wait. Even Reno bands hey. we don't put out. Um, uh, we want to support in some way, too. And so um, that's because we're so limited by how many we want to, records we want to actually do a year. So, um, so the Facebook that we have and the Instagram, you know, I want us to start, like, making that you know, us promoting those kinds of bands too and saying, Hey, engine fire's record came out this week. Isn't it rad? Or Nick's, Nick's new record came out. Isn't it rad? Or, you know, uh, we just found this band called blue envy who are awesome, who do like really cool alternative soul oh, music. Yeah, you know, if, they're awesome. In fact, they got a single coming out here pretty soon called dance. That's the teaser. Awesome. No, no, no. I'd like to, I like oh. them a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> as, as yeah. just, but you know, not everyone's going to say yes or no, or who are you or who, who dis or whatever. Right. <laughs> and that's fine. That's, that's, that's the way the cookie bounces. But, um, at the same time, having, having tone mark sounds like, like that's our little way to kind of promote Reno a little bit too. And other bands too, from other towns that we like, uh, that we just can't put the records out, but we would like to be able to have enough of a, of a, of a forum for that to actually you know, turn some people on to it if we can too, you know, just as a publicity thing, as opposed to just being, you know, putting out 70 records a year, which we can't do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to like interrupt here, but for an episode with only two songs, 
So this is our long goddamn episode. <laughs> uh, so Eric, Eric tells stories. Eric, yeah, you got Eric. Wake up, Stanglin on a podcast, right? <laughs> Uh, but Eric, uh, wake up. When can people expect to find that hitting the um, record stores, visual, virtual or physical? That's a great question. Let's let me ask my label. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, tone mark sounds. Um, when can we expect to hear the Eric Stanglin album wake <laughs> up hitting local shelves and online distribution? Local shelves. It'll, it'll be it'll be soon, <laughs> like, yeah. like like the soon. shelves of local record stores. Right. Oh That's boy, kind of what's going with that? Um, like um, like um, recycled or you know? Oh yeah, yeah. If locally, sure, we're gonna do that. No, we're 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 still we're in like the final stages of it as far as like mixing and, and listening back and stuff. So it'll be soon, but we we don't really. So wanna... these these tracks that we're listening to are like fresh. Huh. They're yeah. super fresh. They are like hot off the pancake. Super fresh. fresh. Yeah. So, <laughs> it'll, it'll be at some the whole like rest of the album fresh, has man. yet to be mastered fresh. It's still, it's still, it's still the oven. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. We still got some buns in the oven for you. We are eating the edge of the brownie before the rest of the pan is finished. It's so yeah. fucking good. <laughs> Rory, Rory, I've often thought you've been eating the edge of the brownie, if you know what I'm saying. Hey. Oh, every day I wake up. <laughs> But anyway, but no, but, but it, it'll, it'll be with, you know, within the next few weeks to months, depending on, on when we feel like it's ready and everyone will know. <laughs> we're, we're very excited. We're, we're looking forward to it. So you'll totally know. Let us know. We'll like repost it. Yeah. yeah. Post. Right. In the meantime, we're going to close out with another track, right? Yes. Are we actually closing out now? Finally? Oh, I just before. <laughs> yeah, we are. But what's the name of your website? Is it just tonemark.com oh, or we actually don't have like a, a flat out website. I would go to, I would go to our band camp, which is uh tonemarksounds.bandcamp.com. Thank you. Um, awesome. Or uh, we are on Facebook as tonemark sounds and then Instagram uh, tonemark sounds with a little, uh, the underscore. line. Yeah. Underscore. Cool. So either, then- either or find us on either one of those. Uh, but the Bandcamp will be the ones that will have the actual music and information on on how to order vinyl, on how to uh, download it from there, and all that stuff. But it'll be on the records will be on Spotify and uh, Apple Music and all those places too. We're going to do the whole the whole rigmarole for that too. Awesome, excellent. Where can people Very find you? Exciting. Eric? What's that? I was asking Eric where people can find him. It's funny. I don't really have too much of a presence, which I'm trying to work on. Uh, so you can find me on Facebook and uh, Instagram, um, One Stop Guitar on Instagram. I, I have like a musician page, Eric Stanglin, musician on Facebook. But since Zuckerberg like makes you pay for anything, for anybody to see anything, um, I just really post on my just my normal Facebook page just to you know, get stuff out there and um, yeah, that's about it. But I'm working on like a website, onestopguitar.com too. If you want to, uh, if you want to help out a struggling musician, take some guitar lessons, that would that'd be great too. And then the Not My House podcast, we're everywhere, yeah. anywhere you can find podcasts, and uh, um, so I'm on there too. The best of basketball shit talking on the internet. Yeah, I'll hit you up, Eric. I'll, I'll uh, please do. I'd love I'd like to, to have- I'd like to get together and talk. To- Basketball with some people sometimes. I, we, we had Charlie Ward on a couple months ago. Oh, I love Charlie Ward. Heisman yeah. Trophy winner, Charlie Ward. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Those were my favorite Knicks teams. 
Amen. You're actually knocking down some pretty big guests over there uh, from what I've been seeing from the chatter. And I just want to give you like a real serious congratulations on that as a fellow (laughs) podcaster. And I do encourage everybody. uh, We do have sports fans as well as music fans that listen to this show. And and I I really encourage people to check out the show. I have listened a couple of times. You guys have a really nice format. It's it's a well put together production. Thanks. And we, I want to say what's up to uh, Kyle Dory. He does all of our music. We try to keep everything local in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, um, but he does all of our beats and stuff, our intros and outros. And Zach's been amazing getting a lot of the guests. I've gotten some guests. Um, we've just been lucky and grateful. And I think if you love what you do, good things happen. You know what I mean? So there you go. Uh, if we're coming out for this last tune, um, it's kind of funny. It's called When Can I Leave? And it's about uh, it's about when can I get out of the fucking ICU? And uh, it's just an, it's just an instrumental tune. I wanted to have an instrumental on the record to break up some of the tunes. Um, and it's just it's one I did on my uh, Garage Band on my Mac and uh, direct plugins. And then Tone uh, Tony made some uh, nice little adjustments to make it even sound better. So and also real quick, can I give Tony a shout out because. The dude does the most amazing shit with artwork. Like he did all the artwork on the record. And it's fucking awesome. Oh, fucking oh, right. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, well, he's like a Renaissance man. He's like great cook, an artist, yeah. a great guitar player. I <laughs> mean, a, a great talker too. Like I've had really great conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Smooth talker. <laughs> Smooth talker. <laughs> talker more like it. And handsome. <laughs> For all of us here at the Worst Little Podcast, including our three guests this week, I'm signing off. Life is short and we love you. Good night, ladies. On the Worst Little Podcast, we're talking out of our ass.